Good Sunday afternoon, everyone. This is Helen Hooper, and I am the host of the Ladies' Choice Life Support Podcast. It is Sunday evening, 1230 on November 8th. I'm doing a little something different today. I know I usually come to you on Tuesdays, but I'm doing the podcast today because this is going to lead up to Tuesday um, for our Facebook Live at 8.30. So, today I wanted to come to you. You know, if you've been following me on Facebook, you know that we've been doing um, a lot of relationships. Soulmates, soul ties, a lot of soul ties in relationships, no matter what type of relationship it is. Is it a good soul tie? Is it a bad soul tie? We know that we have good soul ties and bad soul ties, but we've been really hitting on the bad soul ties because that's what seems to be really destroying people's lives if they let it go on and on and on and never put up the boundaries and put up the stop signs for them to um, stop the hurt or continue to be hurt or continue to let that person stay, man or woman, to let that person stay in their life and continue to dismantle what God has set in place for them or to derail them off into um, from their purpose. So we've been talking about the bad soul ties because those are the ones that hurt the most. Those are the ones that destroy the most. We have great soul ties. We have good soul ties. We have friends and family that we have awesome relationships with. We have cousins that those are good soul ties. You know, friends, good friends. We have good soul ties. I have a friend. She's been my friend since we were four, since we started kindergarten. That is a great soul tie. We are like... We don't live in the same city anymore, and we haven't for a long time, but she's my best friend, and I can call her and get her on the phone at any time, and she can do the same for me. Um, That is a good soul tie, but we are not talking about those because those are not the soul ties that derail, that destroy, that dismantle, that gets you off track from your purpose. It's the bad ones. So this Tuesday, we're going to continue that trend, but we're going to talk about soul ties, but we're going to talk about domestic violence as well in relationships, and we all know that it happens, and it happens to a lot of women more than we actually know, because there's some women who still won't step up and say, yes, I'm in a horrible relationship, I'm in a bad relationship, I'm in a bad way in my home life, whether he is a boyfriend or she is a girlfriend. It is a horrible relationship. The situation is not good. It isn't healthy, but they still won't say. Because for most women, domestic violence is shameful. It's a betrayal of their love. And if I tell someone, I'm ashamed that I say that I'm being hit, that I'm being mistreated, that I am abused physically, mentally, and emotionally, I'm ashamed of that. So I can't tell anyone. So on Tuesday, leading up to Tuesday, we're going to be talking about that relationships and domestic violence, because this is something that's very, very, very important. It is serious. I've known women to die from domestic violence. It doesn't take much for somebody to hit someone and hit them an unlucky lick or somebody to shoot and kill someone. We hear these stories all the time. Um, I remember a story back, oh my God, it's been so many years ago, but it's still like I read this story on yesterday because it was so violent, even though she got out of this relationship, which was very abusive because he was an alcoholic 
and he had gotten on drugs. He was in the military. She left him with her boys and, you know, left him and started actually a better life. Years later, she started dating again. Years after she left him, he still tracked her down and he killed her. And he did it so viciously and so violently. I think her sister told the story. Um, it was in Ebony Magazine. And I still remember that. And it haunts me to this day. After all that time, the anger that he still had for her because she left him, because he was not healthy in his mind, in his thinking, he was not stable. He still tracked her down. I think after seven years, seven or eight years, he still tracked her down. And he murdered her. She had started dating again, probably leading up to a marriage, had found a really nice guy, raising the kids, and he still tracked her down and killed her. So this is a very, very, very serious topic. But Tuesday, I'm going to be talking about my own story. Yes, my own story. Being in a relationship that didn't start out being abusive, didn't start out um, being mentally and emotionally draining, didn't start out being physical, but it ended up that way um, in midway. It ended up that way. It started to be that way. I experienced all the things that I just described to you. Mental abuse. Emotional abuse. And to an extent, physical abuse. So we cannot say that domestic violence just happens to people that are low income and of low self-esteem because I do not have low self-esteem. I've never had low self-esteem. So we cannot put everybody in the same box. We cannot put everybody in the same um, league as, oh, well, you have to have low self-esteem in order to be in a domestic violence situation. But let me tell you what domestic violence is. Domestic violence is abuse physically, emotionally, and mentally. Because I have found out working with women for over 20 years that are in domestic violence situation, this is something new to me, dear to my heart, because I want to get other women delivered. And this is why I'm telling my story. There's a friend of mine, he said, like, Helen, you know, Domestic Violence Month was like, I think it was last month. Um, I know Cancer Awareness Month was going on. I know um, Domestic Violence Month was going on. But we t- talking to him, he said, you know, Domestic Violence Month, um, Awareness Month, I think it passed. And I'm like, wow. I really didn't want it to pass without me seeing something or doing something because I know how important it is. It's very important that I speak out and that I help other women. And like I said, it just doesn't happen to women who are in low-income areas and um, families that are moderate income and families. It happens to women that meet men or partners, whomever you're with, that are abusive. They're abusive in their thinking. They're abusive in their ways. It's cunning. Sometimes it really is very sneaky. Sneakingly, they do it. By the time you're in a relationship and you find out, oh my God, who this person really is, some women are already in there and they don't know how to get out. They don't know how to to get themselves or their children out. 
So when I was in, I'm living in another state and I lived there for over 15 years in this other state. I got married in Florida, but because my cousin was military, of course, we moved out of state. Then I started to see a whole lot. I saw some red flags. Now, that is the thing. I saw some red flags, but I'm like, okay. I separated myself from that and my children from that. I'm like, he cannot be in our lives because that's not how I was raised. I've never seen anything like that before. You know, I just don't like all the drinking that he does. Even though he was in the military, he, I thought drinking beer, this is how naive I was. And I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there listening thinking, well, yeah, I thought that too. Because I was never raised up around drinking or people that were drunkards or people that have problems like that. I'm thinking if you drink a couple of beers, hey, it's okay because that's just a beer. This was in my early years. That's just a beer because I, I married him in my early years. It's just a beer. But it turned out to be something else. And I'm pretty sure any woman that is listening to this today thinking, okay, yeah, I saw red flags as well. Control. Not that I was going to let myself be controlled, but suddenly and, and, you know, it started to happen slowly and slowly and slowly trying to control me. And I said trying because I was not going to be controlled by anybody. And that just made him worse. So when we moved away, it got worse because guess what? Now there's another part of domestic violence. It's called isolation. So when you isolate, when that person tries to isolate you, that is a red flag. Of course, I had to go where my husband was going because we're married and I had to move out of state because we had to move out of state. He was moving out of state. We had to move on, go where he was. So we did that. But then I saw it at a heightened level because now I'm in a new state. I don't really know anybody there. I don't know anybody there. And he starts to, I'll say, heighten his attacks. The verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse. Because I'm not the type of person that's going to let somebody just take over my life. I'm not. And the more I resisted, it just made him more angry. Because first of all, I want to isolate you. Second of all, I don't want you to work anywhere because I want to control you. Third of all, I want to have my, I want to control everything that you do. And I bucked against all those, those stipulations he put in place or he thought he was putting into place. I did, I was not conforming to what he wanted me to conform to. I've always worked. When I met him, I was working. I had my own place. I had my own everything. So it wasn't like I was just going to stop working. But most, some women are not that way. We find that abusers are cunning. They're very smart. Most of the time, people around that abuser think they are just the greatest people ever. The greatest people ever. And you want to say, he or she is not that. I live in a house of horrors with these, this person. But for some women, like I said, they're ashamed to tell somebody. And that's where it has to break. Someone has to know that you're being abused. Someone, you have to tell somebody. You have to have that confidant to tell somebody, this is happening to me at home. He's doing this to me at home. I remember 
um, I had moved back to Florida from the state that I was living in, gotten separated, moved back to Florida, started working in the community. Um, I'm still doing everything I usually do in the community, still have my business because everybody knows I have Ladies' Choice. That is for women. It's a, a gender-specific organization. It is to help women work through all kinds of crises, not just domestic violence. Domestic violence is really close to my heart, but it is to work through all crises in their lives because that is what I do and I love it. And I went to a side of town um, that was very prominent. I mean, very rich, wealthy community. I was invited to listen in on a domestic violence symposium. They had a speaker and we had all kinds of stats and I'm looking around like, this place is full of women that have husbands or people in their lives that are high powered here in Jacksonville and they're raising money for domestic violence and hearing the stories from some of these women about what they were going through and what they had been through and how they had to rebuild and get back to themselves. I'm looking around like this is extraordinary because these women had wealth, they had means, they can do anything they wanted to do, but they were still here talking about domestic violence and how we can help other people get, how we can help other women get through this and build themselves back and heal properly. So that's what we're going to, that's what I'm talking about. We cannot put everybody in one basket. I don't care if it's emotional abuse, if it's verbal abuse. And I've heard some women even say, Miss Helen, sometimes it's not the, the hits or the licks or the time he hit me or slapped me or pushed me or, or broke my arm or did that healed. But the words that he said, the things that he said to me hurt deep and they are in my mind and they keep replaying and replaying and replaying in my mind. So then there's where the healing has to come. And for me as well, the healing had to come. Because you cannot go into another relationship and you shouldn't even try to unless you're healed. And sometimes that takes longer. It's up to that individual. It takes longer for one person to heal than another person. And it's not that some women have low self-esteem. Because I know I didn't have low self-esteem, but I found myself in the midst of a horrible, horrible relationship. This was just, was just it took me years to come back from that, I had to get back to myself. I remember telling myself, sitting on the bed, I was still in the house with him. We bought this home. I mean, and he was very well to do. I had things that I wanted, things that I needed, things that I never needed. I saw a house that I thought was going to be my dream home. I mean, elaborate pool, um, four acres of land. This house was, oh my gosh, almost 5,000 square feet. I'm thinking, now we can do something with this. The kids are almost grown and they're getting out and they're doing things. And we started looking for a house that we actually wanted to live in. And it was kind of out, um, out of the city limits. And when I found a house, I told him I found a house. He's like, oh really, you wanna, you like that house? And I'm like, yeah, I really like it. I wanna go look at it. And we went to go look at it. And he's like, if this is you want, this is what you can have. I'm like, yeah, I want it because I saw it was a pool, pool house, jacuzzi house. It just had, it was laid out. Like I said, I didn't have to want for anything because that's the lifestyle that he afforded me. Furniture, if I wanted furniture, that was on the drop of a dime. You get what you want. 
And it's not that I stayed there because of that, because I worked every day. I had my own business. He did it because he wanted to give that to me. And he know that she's a hard worker. I don't really have to, to do anything for her, but I want to do it because she's here. Not to say that he didn't love me because he's not a horrible person. I can't say that he's a horrible person. He just didn't know how to love properly because of what he saw in his life coming up as a person, as a, how he was raised. I was raised totally different than that. I did not see the things that he saw, but he was not healed. So therefore, when he came into my life, he brought all that with him. That's where the problem lies. But then I and my children were in the midst of looking at this. We had to see this. He's acting out this way and he's acting out that way. I will not say that he's a horrible person because I know that there is healing that he had to do. And I'm sure that he's gotten that healing. And I hope that he's learned from our marriage. I, I think he has. He's doing well. So I think he has. I'm not even angry. And anybody who knows me, I will tell you, it's like my marriage was, <laughs> it's just um, a blur. Some of the things I don't remember, some of the things I remember vividly. I started writing the other day because I started writing an ebook about an, about an incident that I thought stood out in the time when I was in this relationship. Um, this domestic violence situation. And I started writing about this, um, this certain, this certain thing that, thing that happened to me. And I'm typing, I'm typing, I'm typing, I'm just writing the book and writing the book and I'm almost finished. And when I started getting into the parts where, you know, there was some, some really tense moments I started feeling something. I started feeling uneasy. I started um, tears welled up in my eyes. It's like that took me all the way back to that, to that incident that I thought I was healed from. And I started feeling these overwhelming feelings and thoughts. And I came back and I didn't want to be in that place in my mind where I was. It's been almost 12 years that I've been gone from this place, from this person, from this state from this everything I've done well I cannot ask God to God has really really blessed me I have met some awesome people and he's put some beautiful people in my life but when I was typing and I saw the words and I'm thinking the words and the words are flowing I felt away it all came bubbling back up again that particular incident I really thought I was healed from but I saw that I wasn't I had to stop typing I had to save where I was and I had to actually put down the computer, put down my laptop and think about what is this? I thought this was gone. Maybe that's the area that I'm not healed in. I had to pray about it. I sat there and I thought about it and I had to go back over there for days. I did not pick up my laptop again until I knew that I had dealt with this and I'm dealing with this. And when I picked it up again, I could finish writing. But I couldn't at that point because I'm like, why did it take me all the way back there? So we have to be careful when we are when we come out of situations. So Tuesday, I hope you join us on Facebook Live at 8:30. Yes, I'm gonna be interviewed this time. I'm not gonna be the interviewer, I'm gonna be uh, the interviewee. And this is gonna be my story because I believe that this would help some women that are gonna be watching. And the three points that I want to make is about domestic violence. It's first that you have to have a healthy self-esteem. 
a very healthy self-esteem. The second point I want to make is you have to be totally healed. There needs to be a healing process um, taking place after you leave a relationship that is unhealthy, that has been disruptive, that has been hurtful, that has actually shamed you. Some women think this is shameful. It is not shameful for you to talk about it because you don't have the problem. That other person has a problem that has inflicted that hurt on you. That other person has a problem, but I know some women, because I've heard it, so many women have told me, I was ashamed to tell anybody because of who I am. Everybody knows me as a strong person, but it is not your fault that the person that you're involved with or that in that relationship with has a problem with most of the time they're insecure and there's some shortcomings that they are lacking that they try to project on your life. Most of most abusers are insecure. Most abusers want to control you because you're the only thing that they have close to them that they can control. And if that person ever left, I don't know what I'm going to do because that punching bag, that person that I can yell and scream at and still be able to come back and say, I love you, even though it is very unhealthy and it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy to other people, but it makes sense to them. They have the problem. They're unhealthy in their minds and in their thinking. They haven't been healed from something. So they projected it up upon you. Most abusers are, they do have, they do have some shortcomings. They're insecure. They're dysfunctional because they came from something dysfunctional and probably did not get that fixed. I don't care if it's emotional. There's all kinds of domestic violence. The emotional and verbal is the worst. Physical, yes, that is just as bad. But some women remember the words. I remember what he said. I remember how he said it. I remember him saying that I'm no good and nobody will ever want me. Listen, if you hear that long enough, you're going to start to believe it. Just like somebody calls you, you're, you were born a woman and somebody calls you a woman for the rest of your life or until you get um, five and six years old. At five and six years old, you can look at yourself like, yes, I am a lady because I've been called a lady for the last five years of my life. So I believe what, what my mother and what my father call me, what people are calling me. I am a little lady. I look like a little lady. So if somebody is telling you for, get this, over 20 years that you're no good, nobody's going to want you but me, so where are you going? You got the kids here, you know, we build a home here, nobody else is going to want you. That is a lie from the enemy because domestic violence is a demonic situation. It is to deter, it is to tear down, it is to hurt, it is to thwart your purpose and some chains need to be broken. Some women need to be delivered. It is not shameful for you to tell your story. I had to get to this point where I could tell my story. Some things my family don't even know. They probably hear something on Tuesday that they just absolutely did not know about me and my relationship. My sister always says, I thought, you know, sometimes we, I thought that your life was a secret. It wasn't a secret. I just didn't tell everything about what I was going through. I was in another state. I wanted to move back home. My mother died, ended up dying. I didn't want to move and be on any of my sisters, my brother, everybody had family. So I'm thinking, okay, I'll stay here. I'm tough, I can do this. Now today I can say that I stand here and I am healed, completely healed. And I've been helping women for over 20 years come out. I've dealt with women on Fort Bragg. Um, when the soldiers came back, um, I had colonels 
call me. I've heard colonels on my speed dial. Miss Allen, can you help one of my soldiers' wives? Yes. I have judges to order people to my programs. I've worked on, 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 on military bases with wives that are just broken because husbands don't understand. They say their job is stressful because they're going to war and they're dealing with everything. And I come home to this person that is absolutely, she's doing nothing but asking you as a husband about the household. But because he's so stressed out, he takes it out on her. I've been there, done that with these women. I know how they felt so I could help them walk them to their victory, walk them out of this. I've dealt with majors and I've dealt with lieutenants, um, lieutenant colonels. I've, one of the worst cases I've ever seen was a lieutenant colonel and his wife. Um, she became a very good friend of mine and I often wonder because she was from another state as well, whatever happened to her. Because there were some things that she told me that was just unbelievable. But I tell you, the military did not help her not one bit. Not one bit. It was awful. The things that I went, dealt with the chaplains on posts. Knew a lot of colonels, knew a lot of brass. I worked with these women. All types of women from all types of life walks. So domestic violence is something that is absolutely devastating and destructive. So join us this Tuesday night, 8.30 on Facebook Live. Or you're gonna hear my story. This is my story. Well, some of my story. It's not all my story, but it's some of my story. I have dealt with domestic violence. And this is to all the women. This is dedicated to all the women that do want to break free and just don't know how. And it's not shameful for you to share because other women might need to hear your story. I'm not asking you to share on Facebook Live, but I am asking you to tune in and listen. And I hope I say something that can actually help you because domestic violence, if you're in that situation, that is never the situation to be in. That relationship is absolutely toxic to you and it's vital that you get out. But there's a way to do that. I will see you on Tuesday night, 8.30 on Facebook Live. You have a great rest of your Sunday.